Bet Belmont, Keeland, and your favorite tracks this weekend with Naira Bets. New players who sign up for Naira Bets today can get a free $25 bet with promo code Rewind25. That's R E W I N D 25. Join now at Naira Bets or download the Naira Bets app and make sure you use the promo code Rewind25 for your free $25 bet. Also, put your handicapping skills to the test in a live money contest every Saturday during the Belmont Park meet at Naira Bets. It's a $250 buy in and all cash prize pool. But you have to register by 5 p.m. Eastern each Friday to get into the competition. Visit naira.com slash challenge to register. Welcome to episode 61 of Redboard Rewind. I am your host, Spencer Luganbuehl. Today, my special guest is Drew Coatney of the In The Money family. And we go over three races from last Sunday's card at Woodbine Races 5, 6, and 7. And some angles we talk about are why ground loss means so much at Woodbine. And what to do when you have a negative note but still like the horse in the very next race. This is Redboard Rewind. It's the same old story in this cycle. We go back and forth. We go back and forth. It ain't good for me. Why we do this for? We go back and forth. Won't do this no more. Always have it And now I'd like to welcome in my special guest, another person from the In The Money family, Drew Coatney. Drew, how are you today? Spencer, I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm hanging in there. It's been a long couple of weeks working these 4 a.m., you know, up up before uh, up before the crows are uh, going off for the roosters, so to say. So how about you? I haven't talked to you since probably last year at Saratoga. A couple phone calls. Glad to see you're still doing the writing for uh, Woodbine. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm doing good. Um, I'm with you on the 4 a.m. I think my body is already preparing for our child our first child we're expecting um coming up here close to thanksgiving so every morning i'm waking up at 4 30 cold sweats ready to go so uh yeah i hear you there i wish i wish i was earning money at four it uh it'll probably be before 4 a.m for you so this is obviously your second year uh writing for woodbine for in the money just kind of tell us through the process you know obviously it's a synthetic track so a lot of people don't really handicap synthetic that often your perpetual ladder of, you know, starting off and where you've gotten to with your synthetic handicapping. Yeah, absolutely. I can talk about the synthetic handicapping. But I thought you were going to say this is my second child. No, this is the first go around. <laughs> so this is my, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my, as you would, uh, excitement out of the way for the first one. But no, to go into Woodbine handicapping, it is a second season. Uh, first season, we did a little bit of a dabbling here and there on these late pick sequences and I think we did okay uh, overall from a handicapping perspective uh, and an engagement. And one thing we learned from feedback was we tried to give out like recommended ticket structures and it just doesn't work because everyone's betting style is different. And mm-hmm. it ended up becoming a, you know, talking about my betting more than anything. And I'm by no means a professional. And I think it led people down the wrong path more than the right. And just giving some comments on how to tell a story about handicapping is perfect enough, right? You're not going to be right that often. It's amazing keeping records. And you talk about, we talk about horizontal sequences all the time and how few times you can actually string together just four top choice winners. I mean, I think it's happened once out of the the dozens of cards that we've handicapped. So it's been going good. Uh, We really like handicapping the Tapita 
that they have over there as well. Some folks have taken me under their wings to help give advice. One of the biggest things is ground loss is huge there and just following Trakis and who had a wide move. I remember Belichick a couple back uh, who was a Queens plate contender uh, debuted at like eight to five or had a, had a running. I, I shouldn't say debut. I think uh, had a running at the eight and a half furlong configuration that they have for one turn, mm-hmm. just like Belmont's kind of one mile, one turn and was drawn out 12 posts and got pushed wide. And the horse was like six to five. I was like, there's no shot, you know, shot, making a huge move. And then of course just tired. So, right. We pick these things up as we go. And I think it just helps question everything you know about handicapping when you're looking at a new surface like that. Well, I think too, and obviously doing the Red Bull Rewind show, it's it's just a thing where people handicap, they watch the races, they re-handicap the next card. There's like a whole third version where like not going back into the same card and making your notes and figuring out that stuff. I feel like you're only doing like 66% of your process really at that point. Like even if you go 0 for 12, that 0 for 12 can get you onto horses, like you say, with ground loss. Oh, a horse was 22 to 1, but he was 5 wide. He may come into the next race, you know, 12 to 1, which isn't as good a price, but it's still way better price than, you know, 6 to 5 or 8 to 5 on some of the horses that you'll get just from not doing the extra research and realizing, oh, this horse was 5 wide compared to taking the horse that was on the rail the whole time last time out. Yeah, I mean, I get the fortunate luck of having a blog to put my thoughts in of how that story was going to unfold. And then I can go back and look at that and say, did it happen or did it not? And that actually led me to the winner in this first race that we'll talk about. And it's a great, almost cathartic experience to go back and look at it and say, did I publish something correct? And I I think so many times you forget that actually other people were reading this too, and they'll give you grief or uh, congratulations on well-done efforts, but I think I get so, I, I, I just have to admit that I'm fortunate that I have a forum that not only do I get the word out on who I like and who I don't, but also it helps me with my handicapping to be able to have a living document, almost a, a historical document to go back and say, man, did that story play right in my head or not? And it could be as small as just, did I think that horse was valued at four to five? I, I think it is funny as well. I had Scott Shapiro on this week. Obviously, I got my start with Scott for his website, Shepherd to Capper. And it was funny. We were uh, cleaning out some stuff at my mom's old house. And she had actually printed out my original first ever write-up, which she uh, which she gave to me. And I'm trying to find a way I can hang it on the wall. It was just kind of a memento for, uh, for myself. But it's interesting going back and looking at how my handicapping process was. That was 2015. And just now, how many more races I've handicapped in that five years and how my betting style and my handicapping style has changed. Obviously I'm trying to read uh, as many books as possible. Barry Meadows new book came out. I was, you know, like a dog with a bone with that for a while. And it's just, it's, it's super interesting when people handicap a race and you might come up with the same horse, but it's six different ways of coming up with it. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't be more right. And then, Add in the mix that we get attracted to other tracks, like you paying attention to Woodbine this weekend. I mean, that's just yet another variable you have to deal with. And I couldn't encourage anyone more. And I think you've talked about this at Saratoga last year, sticking with one track and just handicapping it. And right. You don't have to pontificate in your own writing so that you have a document, but I can't encourage folks enough to say, here's where I think I have an opinion on this card. I'm going to put my dollars through this. 
let's just write out like a paragraph, like convince myself, talk to it like as if I needed to borrow the hundred bucks from someone mm-hmm. and make a case. And if you can't make a case and you're just like, I just want it for action, that's fine. Like dot, dot, dot. I've been there with buddies at dinner, you know, when we used to be able to go out to dinner, right? Hey, anyone want to put 20 bucks on a late pick four at, at, uh, at uh, Los Al for the pick four, right? Like, yeah, we've all been there, but right day in, day out, like make, make an argument so that you can learn on, did you have it right or not? Well, I think too, you bring up betting one track. I think that that's just the way people should start. I get it. Everyone wants to play six tracks. Oh, Gulfstream's up in three minutes. How can I do that? I was telling Scott about this. I said, if I was at an OTB, I made sure that I at least had a day ahead or two days ahead of other PPs from Belmont, Saratoga, Aqueduct, to where if I really wanted the better race that day, I made sure that if my handicapping was done for the Wednesday, I had Thursday and Friday to start handicapping and just staying away from borrowing someone's PPs and looking through myself. And then I've spent, what, four minutes on this race compared to, you know, all the work I do in DRF Formulaire, which I can't thank enough that they have come up with such a good product like this. I just, I'll start off, I'll download the PPs tonight for Belmont and for uh, Laurel, which will be my two shows for next week. I'm going to have David Aragona and uh, John Piazzik on. And I'll start off and I'll start doing all the trainer stats, all the class level stuff, or where the key race is coming at. And then for the next time I'll play, you know, Belmont, I'll have it. If any horses ship in from Maryland, I'll have notes from this big day uh, next week from Maryland as well. Yeah, no, and my, and my approach is just a little bit different when I'm looking at my single tracks. I'm looking for a woodbine horse that tells a story that's not on the paper yet um, and then trying to find that. And so there's all sorts of cool ways we can dive into it. But I, the second season of betting woodbine, I couldn't be more happier. I think we're at like a negative 2% ROI, $2 win place fictitions uh, bets just with the top choices, right? And we put, Pete makes fun of me all the time for putting 20 to one shots on top. But you know what? I think Bernier has it right where you got to play a little bit of a mix. You can't be shorts all the time and you got to take stabs where you think there's vulnerable favorites. And uh, my goodness, there's always a vulnerable favorite in the card. I, I strongly believe that in, in the big circuits. Uh, I've been beat too many times by uh, someone playing a pick and pray and just picking the favorites that go off at two to five <laughs> at the smaller tracks. Let us start by talking about some of the races. Let's start off. Our first race today was race number five. It was the grade one Northern Dancer, a mile and one half on the turf. I seem to struggle a lot with the marathon distances. I'm, I'm much more of a, I like the sprint races. Turf sprints are something that's very fun to me. I know a lot of people don't like them. Kind of tell me how you look in on these marathon races. Yeah, great question on the marathon. I'm typically bad at them except for at Woodbine. And I think it's just because I know the horses so well and do so much replay work. Uh, that it helps me get an edge in terms of what I'm looking for. And I was on count again last time uh, when the horse, I think was at a 20 to one morning line and dropped down to like nine to one. Quite disappointing to see the value that we ended up getting. But um, I ended up today on say the word, and it was all down to like three jumps around the far term. And this is what's so cool about the, the articles I get to write is I get to share some of these nuggets of information and see if it pans out well. And then if it does, a new player can put that in their back pocket and look for that next time. And it all came down to count again and say the word we're in the back of the pack um, last out in the bear with me for one second in the sing spiel, the grade three sing spiel, a little bit shorter of a distance 
and they both made the move at the same time. And Count again got a three-length jump right as they tipped for home on Say the Word. And I thought, man, that is interesting. Why did that happen? Like, what? where was the quicken? Did something happen? Because both of these are stalking the pace. And ends up, Say the Word pretty much finishes on even terms with Count again. So I knew there was something there. And I thought, man, at the 12 furlongs, that is going to be a distance that would be a grinder style that I'm not worried about that quicken. That quicken may be expending energy too quickly, no pun intended. And so I, that's kind of where I was thinking of like, man, this grinder style, we're going to have obviously some clear speed that's going to set up very well uh, with the likes of Admiral Pier, um, the number seven out there. So I just thought it was a bad value on count again. And at two to one, or I think the horse went off at like five to two or something along those lines. Um, and, and that we were going to get a good grinder style run from say the word that was going to be honest, uh, because of that last race. And right. You could even go back deeper and say, look, Saratoga finished 50 to one. And I did have a case for this horse when it debuted in June back off of a layoff, I should say not debut, but back off of a layoff, like completely just dud effort. And then they shipped to Saratoga. That was notable uh, to me as well, going winning at 50 to one. Hopefully you cashed on that one as well. So that's how I saw this race play out. I was looking for a grinder style when we knew we had some pace pressure in here. And I knew the table, I, I shouldn't say I knew, but I felt the tables could be turned and there could be value on count again relating to that quicken. For, I think it's an interesting thought. I think that's why replays are important. I am not as much a good replay person. I love uh, Benny South Street's Tripno Pros. I try and use it as much as possible. Uh, they uh, just just to learn stuff and see what they see, and then I'll read their note and then watch the race and try to see if I can see the same stuff. Usually it doesn't happen. This race for me was just a very interesting race. Nakamura is a horse that I, we know very well from Saratoga, two back. Uh, it was a horse going off at two to one. Didn't Ran a okay third, I guess. Then comes into the sink spiel, hits the uh, doesn't hit the board, but loses only by two lengths. Those are the type of horses too that can be interesting. Where you see like they come in seventh, but they only lose by two lengths, and people just see the big seven and they instantly toss the horse out. So I thought he might be a little bit interesting. I just Admiralty Pier has gotten such slow fractions the last couple of races in the King Edward and Woodbine Mile, and the last race obviously just fading out the back. Maybe this horse is going off form. I just thought that possibly going the longer distance, he could really put him to sleep, snail's pace, maybe do some, maybe do something there. What you bring up, I think, is a great point on say the word as well is that first race coming off the long layoff. Obviously, Gail Cox has had the horse for a long time by that point, so it wasn't so much you know, maybe they didn't know the horse, but you notice a lot of times when it's that private purchase and the trainer change, that first race sometimes isn't good. And then all of a sudden, that second race, wow, big improvement. I think that they just kind of need to give the horse one race, and they don't care what happens in that race. That's why it was just the optional 62. And the horse then wins the second race, and they're like, okay, maybe this horse is good enough for a grade three, runs very solid against others in here. So I definitely liked your pick there. Was there anything from a pace perspective i mean i know you say it was a it's a grinding type of thing but i mean didn't it just seem like admiralty pier was going to be alone on the lead in this race i agree but at a certain point you got to realize this is the marathon mm -hmm. um, and this horse has let me down be before being the kind of figuratively loose on the lead horse 
um, in multiple spots at shorter distances. Um, so I didn't feel like it was gonna, so I just didn't feel like this, they were going to let this one get away with it this time around. And yeah, the blinkers came off. So maybe there's going to be a little bit more fire and, in him to get the job done at the top of the lane. But I don't know. I, I, I've cashed big on Admiral Tipir. I chased him all year last year and cashed well when we were sitting at the NHC and a friend of mine had canceled a $500 bet on the number three or whatever horse. The Yeah. He, he was the, the number three in that day, which uh, caribou club who happened to be the three to one morning line the number five. And so a buddy of mine had flipped those around, canceled the bet really quick and cost himself um, quite a big score for that as well. So long story short, I just, Admiral Tapir, it's out on this one of whether or not he is going to come back and be strong. I, I just haven't seen it yet. And it could be interesting to go to like a, a six furlong, five furlong distance to see how the sprinting with Admiral Tapir works um, out. They tried it before, but I, I just don't know where, what, what to do with this horse at this point because you've gotten two two races back with the Woodbine Mile and the King Edward, blue fractions loose on the lead, and you still can't get the job done. To granted, right, Starship Jubilee, the Canadian Horse of the Year last year, um, and some other strong ones like Warblow and March of the Arch. But yeah, I, I just didn't see this one topping the rest of them. It was a complete fade, and especially at the price we were getting on the day. What did you do from a wagering perspective in this race, Drew? This is going to be tough for me to talk about um, because I hammered the pick three and the pick four. So we were live in the pick four from a 47 to one shot singling in the last race, which we're going to talk about today. So we'll let that suspense build on who I singled in the last leg for the EP Taylor. So we'll, we'll keep going on that route, but I, I was heavy in the pick three and heavy in the pick four that started in the race prior, which we had just gotten the 47 to one in. I decided to play Admiralty Pier. I didn't like oh. it so much across the board. I decided to play straight up on a win bet, two to one. I thought it's kind of like this is the last time. You know, I'm shoveling dirt at this point, like on top of the coffin. If this horse doesn't win this point, there's really nothing else for it. Let's see who can win the Northern Dancer right now. Off and racing in the Northern Dancer, Admiralty Pier burst out on top from Peace of Icardi and Jungle Fighter and going through his Peace of Icardi towards the inside to almost go after Admiralty Pier, but Admiralty Pier making a beeline to the rail and dashed clear as they go into the turn by two to Peace of Icardi. A length to Jungle Fighter is third count again has gone up on the outside. Sir Sahib the rail, Woodbridge the center, and back to second last Nakamura and say the word is last. Admiralty Pier in front switching off the inside. Peace of Icardi up running in second spot and they're out by about a length to Jungle fighter. Count again's gone forward around the outside from Woodbridge. Sir Sahib got back to third last with Nakamura and last of all is Say the Word. So Admiralty Pier out in front out by a length and a half to Piece of Icardi. Wonder Jungle Fighter tucks in nicely. Count again is on the outside sharing fourth with Woodbridge and back behind them Sir Sahib the Hedge. Nakamura second last at last is Say the Word. About six lengths covers the field and controlling terms is Admiralty Pier by over a length in second placing Piece of Icardi. A couple of Away is Jungle Fighter in third and on the outside count again. One to Woodbridge, Nakamura on the outside, Sir Sahib the rail and last of all is Say the Word. 
and the half win in 51 and 2 and out in front. Admiralty Pier. So far, everything looking good as the leader by a length. In second placing with three quarters of a mile to run is Piece of Icardi. One away third jungle fighter. Up on the outside count again under a tight rein. A length to Woodbridge and then came Nakamura. Sir Sahib is back to second last and say the word is last. Admiralty Pier in front by three quarters piece of Icardi coming forward count again on the inside jungle fighter Woodbridge the center three white Nakamura and back second last Sir Sahib on the inside to say the word Admiralty Pier's leader half a length piece of Icardi second inside the half mile three wide count again as they stack up Nakamura coming around the outside three wide on the rails jungle fighter and as they come down towards the final quarter Woodbridge is in the center Sir Sahib is last say the word the outside Admiralty Pier turns in front of the top of the home stretch and the Northern Dancer joined by Count again. Count again on the outside after Admiralty Pier and back in the centre is Piece of Icardi and down the outside Nakamura say the word and Sir Sahib. Count again's gone up to hit the front with Admiralty Pier and flying home say the word and back behind them Sir Sahib right down the outside say the word's gone to the front Sir Sahib on the extreme outside but it's say the word and say the word wins the Northern Dancer by a length to Sir Sahib, Admiralty Pier in third, and back on the inside was Woodbridge, and then came a weakening count again. And the number one, say the word, does get it done paying 1360 with a 96 buyer. It was kind of a bunch of horses that were going to run that mid 90 to low to low 90, and certain horses didn't improve, and some horses didn't. Say the word was one of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the horse, the race set up perfectly for this horse. I was shocked to see count again so close to the pace. I don't know what that was about right we we talk about it all the time of like y'all giving the, putting the horse in the race but i thought that was a little extreme to almost be on terms with admiralty pier and trying to push the pace so yeah say the word I, 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 the big question to me is would i bet the horse again next time it depends on where he shows up but i'm likely the price is probably going to be too short and i was actually quite disappointed that we were only getting just shy of six to one on what I thought was a wide open betting race here. So I'm happy the horse won and uh, we're live in our pick four and pick three to a lot of the money. We can talk a little bit wagering strategy right there with that. To me, any horse over four to one is going to create value. And you didn't like six to one. To me, I kind of feel if you're going to get a horse that, you know, is fourth, fifth choice in betting, anything past the top three choices, I think you're, you're going to have a really good solid return on investment. Oh, I, I disagree with that because there's so many things that can happen this race. Now, right, I had a nugget of information thinking the Quicken theory of count again was going to dull the effort and say the word was going to grind by. Did I know the horse was going to win for sure? No, but I felt the odds were like 15-ish percent if we were to roll the dice over and over again and see how many. And that's where I end up establishing my value line at of like six to one, seven to one. And no win bets for me. I knew I was going to get the value through the horizontal sequence and the parlay multiples. But um, Admiral T. Pier, right, that that horse could have just gone on with it. And mm-hmm. for some reason, it just didn't use the speed to the advantage. I, I don't think going 25, 51, 117. Like, they, were, they were pretty arguably dawdled, dawdled paces. Um, and there was a lot of other good horses that you didn't know like Nakamura and having more of a galloping style like Pete's argument was earlier in the week. If you listen to his coverage or even Sir Sahib, there was just so many ways to go. I thought this was a dice roll at like that 15 or 14% chance to win. And that's where I felt value was at five. Even though the horse won, I don't think that was value. 
I think a good horse you just brought up was Sir Sahib. Uh, based on the lifetime, two for 20, 11 seconds and thirds combined. Uh, this is just the horse, the quintessential horse that is going to finish underneath all the time. Four for six at Woodbine, zero wins, two seconds, two thirds. And this is another horse at five to one that maybe if you, as you said, five to one, not the best value on say the word, but a decent exact of $39.15 for a dollar. I mean, with a, a horse, like you said, that you have that little nugget on, and then you just kind of have to find those horses that like to finish underneath, Sir Sahib being one of them. And just, I think that's also another spot where you could have gotten the value, not just in pick threes and pick fours, but if you want that quick quick return, not having to hit three or four races, the exact in this race, I think, paid out very well. Yeah, absolutely. You got it right. Is there any other horse in this race that you're excited to kind of bet out of it? I know you like to watch a lot of replays. Uh, Nakamura, to me, I think it's just a horse that I don't, ever want to play again going forward until I can see a kind of form reversal and count again. I thought finishing fourth, which is kind of like, eh, wasn't too interested in that one. I think for me, it was Sir Sahib finishing second. Yeah, I'll give count again. And this is where I like seeing the, the form get muddied. I will give count again, another try. If they cut back a little bit and it, it the firm ground is felt again, cause it was on the good, if not a little deeper, um, it did look like the count again was struggling a little bit. So that's probably when I may look back I'd say the words, probably a bet against, even though I like this horse in the day, mm. but I just said dream ride back a pack, travel too wide, open space to grind home. And Cersei, he did run into a little trouble and still grinded home well enough. So I, th- these are the things that we're looking at is, you know, what we're, we're trying to figure out where the next good bet would be. And I think it might stand and count again because the, the public is going to react Mm-hmm. And see that, say the word, beat this one in the square, and you'll get three to one or four to one next time around instead of the, I think, five to two the horse was. So it'll be interesting to see where they come back. No strong opinions. I have some other strong opinions uh, later down the card. Let's talk about race six. It was a restricted maiden special weight going one mile on the turf course. I, I'm, I'm liking starting to see these restricted races. Kind of helps that, you know, down at Saratoga when they were doing the 45,000, you know, we weren't seeing a five hundred thousand dollar tap it's in the race so that was super fun what'd you kind of like in this race drew yeah this is a great replay exercise watching hiatus Um, when you go look at the pps you see two back two back finished a half a length third and it does not tell the story at all Mm -hmm. the story is this one was chasing two loose leaders that were bomb prices and all of a sudden, these uh, the rest of the pack were dozens of lengths back, not even on track is, and finished a half a length ahead. So this one, the real story that the PPs don't tell you is this one tended to the hot pace that was everyone else was dozens of lengths back. Like, I've never seen anything like it. And, and they closed on this one, and hiatus ran against the pace flow in the biggest way possible. So that was where I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a great betting race for us, especially at four to one. I thought there was going to be a lot of. uh, How would you say like no clear favorite on Mm -hmm. the tote board and leave up those juicy prices at four to one? I think the eventual winner and we won't disclose the eventual winner, but went off at and let me get out of my trip notes here. Sorry about that went off at. uh, Yeah, the shortest price in the board was just over three to one. I, I think when we talk about this race too, it, it just it we talk about not seeing it on the paper 
it's more of a trip note. But to me, I mean, we talk about a horse like the number six, Dursky. A lot of times, I don't like betting maidens jumping back up into the maiden special weight. This one especially, big time closer, fast fractions, and now gets the blinkers on. They kind of don't know what to do with this horse. That race was on the synth. Now they're going back to the turf where he was two back, and he kind of ran fifth by five, and it was kind of just a nondescript effort. And this horse, I thought, was going to take some money off that last race. But with obviously seeing fast fractions, it's a horse that I tend to avoid. Uh, Our horse, number eight, Hiatus, another one jumping back up into the maiden special weight ranks, had a 114 time form uh, rating for that first fraction, super, super fast. And just to hold, just to miss, but hold on in that pace battle, I thought was super interesting. I was ecstatic with the four to one price as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm watching the replay right now of Dursky's last out, and this is a great example of tiring far turns. This one had to make a huge wind up move and ran against the pace flow with the eventual first, second. Um, first and third, excuse me, finishers in the race way back. And yeah, the class always gives me a little hesitation, but sometimes at Woodbine you can get away with moving up. Was there anyone else in the race that you were kind of interested in? I kind of just felt like in this race it kind of came down to those two. Um, it was interesting to see the the Mark Cassie horses on the outside just take what seemed to be a ton of money. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that. It made me nervous in my horizontal bets because I ran mm-hmm. all of my money through the eight and the six. Um, with most of it going through the eight. And I saw the, uh, I think it was the 11 and 12. Yeah. Um, Bo Guest and Correlate just taking tons of money. So it had me a little nervous there. I didn't see why, but what's that old adage? Never uh, never back a horse trying uh, something for the first time. And I think that was very clear with the 11, Bo Guest, who um, went off uh, seven to two. And the other of Correlate going off at nine to two. Um, it, it was a... Uh, Head scratcher, but hey, I'll take the takeout producer. I think for me, the, the last thing before we get into the wagering, uh, the number 11 uh, Bo Guest, obviously two back to back bullets. You always like to see that. Taperture for 7,500, selling for 165. That's a big, big Dan Illman from his betting maiden and two year old races. If the sire fee is 10x, you know, times what they pay, the, uh, or if you can divide the two, so 165 divided by 7,500, if it's better than 10x, that's a really big, uh, kind of handicapping angle where the confirmation must be really good for the for uh for the colt and stuff i just the 279 tomlinson for the turf i bet tapature i love tapature he's one of my favorite younger sires i think it's just a dirt sire i don't think this horse is going to be all that good on the turf even being out of Tappet. uh we'll see what happens uh farther down the line i just think that this one was kind of a cassie and what everyone thought as being a good young sire yeah, and, and right, you can look into those two bullets and say, look, there's only 16 out on that track that day, and you're going two turns, <clears throat> excuse me, two turns for the first time debuting two turns on the turf, and those turns are super tricky on the inner over at Woodbine, where you need to have almost like a sports car mentality, a little light, a little nimble, and never in the world did I think I would be talking about horse anatomy like that, but really... Um, it, you can learn a lot just by watching these replays and seeing how well they can move on the turn. I haven't actually gone back to look at 11 Bogus, but not seeing Cassie's top jockeys on this one is a complete fade, in my opinion, especially with the price. And this was just a warm-up, clearly, for for the the expensive price purchase for the contender team in September sale. 
Uh, wagering strategy, you said you're just going through the eight and the six for the pick three and pick four. Is that kind of all we were still doing? That's all we're doing. We're, we're holding on uh, and hoping, hoping for good. For me, it was the eight hiatus. Made a very strong win bet on this one. I just kind of I like when we get those pace differences. Super excited to watch this one run. Let's see who wins and finally gets to break their maiden right now. On their way, back last early is Burgest. One of the best into stride is just in time goes north. Hiatus and coming up fast, Correlate from the extreme outside and Hiatus and Correlate and they're in tandem going clear by a length and a half to Dursky as Correlate takes over. Hiatus drops in for second and away from the rail a bit there, Dursky in third from just in time goes north. There is Zano Bridge and Billy Yank. Truffle King on the inside, then Liars Club. Bogus second last and in search of is last in search of the pack. Correlate got to the rail to lead two lengths to Hiatus, a couple to Dursky third. One away fourth. Just in time goes north. A half to Verrazano Bridge coming up on the outside. Behind them mid-pack is Truffle King from Billy Yank Liars Club. A break of three to Bo Guest. They're well strung out and six away last in search of. Correlate leads by one and a half. Hiatus has had a nice trip. And three away, Dursky catching some ground is also on the inside. Just in time goes north, just a length away. And then follows Verrazano, Bridge Truffle King, pushed along. Billy Yank is responding. And then Liars Club, Bogest well out of it at the moment, starting to wind up a long, long last in search of. Hiatus coming off to Correlate, as is Dursky. And then a break again to Just in Time goes north. The leader by a length, Correlate, Hiatus in second. One and a half to Dursky and finishing well, Truffle King. Truffle King is coming home very stylishly. Down the lane in front, though, is Correlate. Up on the outside, Hiatus. Dursky is there and Truffle King. Hiatus in front. Correlate can't go on, but so can Dursky. Dursky coming. Hiatus and Dursky. And Laters Liars Club. Hiatus and Dursky. Dursky on the outside. Hiatus the rail and Dursky's won it. Another one for Emma Jane. Hiatus second. Correlate third. Truffle King fourth. Just in time goes North and Liars Club behind them. And the number six, Dursky, gets it done, paying $12 with a 75 buyer. A little bit of improvement from this horse. And this is, again, a horse jumping from maiden claiming into the maiden special weight ranks. Yeah, uh, it was awesome uh, to see these two duke it out. Uh, the number eight hiatus didn't quite get it done. But, hey, we had our backup horse of the six, Dursky, in there in our horizontal play. So that was all great. I think it's interesting when we talk ticket construction, everyone's, you know, Everyone talks about singling and this and that and how it's always important to have a single. I think it, when you're looking at ticket construction as well, if you have to go too deep in every leg at least, and maybe some races three or four deep, you don't. Singling is fantastic if you have a very strong opinion, but having that backup horse, like you said, it's always key and it can still help you if you at least hit bombs in certain spots around the sequence as well. Yeah, I mean, you can even make an argument that. If you have a, a idea of a vulnerable favorite, spread it a little bit more, even in these logical races, like we'll talk about in the next, where it's, you know, take three of the logicals because it's going to pay if you have a big bomb on top. And how much is that going to cost for, you know, especially at the low minimum of Woodbine, 20 cents, you know, just spread a little bit and you can make sure to capitalize on that risk a little to win a lot mentality that the Matisse brothers talk about all the time. So one of the two... Mark Cassie's ended up running okay. The number 12 correlate, the one that we didn't really talk about, coming out of a slow-paced race, putting the blinkers on, ended up finishing third in this race. Our uh, our Tapature high-expensive Keeneland select, year, uh, Keeneland select horse, dead last. So like you said, prep, and I think that's a great note now because now if you write prep in there, the 10th place finish, it's still pretty bad, but 
hopefully we see a surface switch to the synth, or maybe it brings the horse somewhere else, and uh, you might be into getting a very nice price because at three to at seven to two out of the gate, this horse did take money, so somebody must have liked something about the horse. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> someone definitely did, and I mean, I mean, I'm even watching the replays as we talk as well. And the number two Truffle King made a great wind-up move and then flattened out. So that's another great way to look at was the horse with or against the pace flow. And I just saw that horse take a kind of a wide move midway through the turn. And when you're picking off horses midway through the turn that are, you know, they're still trying hard. That's a great sign at these ranks that next time Truffle King maybe times this ride a little better. Maybe gets a one turn and could get up at a huge price because um, on the day we had Truffle King at 10 to 1 morning line and can't find the actual price, but I'm sure it was up there in terms of value. For Truffle, Truffle King actually ended up taking some money going off at 8 to 1. You've kind of talked about the wind-up move a couple times now for the beginning handicap or someone who wants to get into it and watching race replays a little bit more. What are you looking for when you start to see a horse wind up? What exactly are like, okay, you're starting to do it now. Right. Yeah, that's a great question, a great clarifier. So I'm actually going to pull up where it is on the timestamp in the DRF formulator replays. And you should be able to find it as well um, on YouTube. Uh, yeah, YouTube with Woodbine. So at 4.16 on the dot PM, because they have their timestamp in the replays, mm -hmm. you'll see the jockey go from a passive arm movement to a really pumping arm movement. And you'll see within just a few jumps is going to navigate out past the three just in time goes north and picks that one off. And then you see, okay, where is the winner at in this scene? And the winner is five lengths ahead of uh, Truffle King. So that's going to be a really tough move. And at four, 16 and 10 seconds, you see then Dursky begins to really ask, or the jockey on Dursky begins to actually ask and go forward and go on with it while Truffle King is still making the move. Truffle King comes around the turn at four minutes, or excuse me, four, 16 and 16 seconds, is still grinding home while Dursky is actually just getting wound up and picking off horses. And what I like to see when I know a move was finished a little too early is that the, the horse that moved early finishes on terms with the rest, meaning, right, that burst of early energy has already been expended and it had flattened out, right? Think about your sprinting, um, with your buddies and your buddies a little bit ahead of you and you like sprint really fast in the first couple seconds. And then you all decide to jog. You're all going to be gassed, right? I'm not a big runner myself. I'm going to be gassed. I'm just going to be jogging to keep up and you would too, right? We're all going to be gassed mm -hmm. at that point. So that's what I'm looking for in the gallop up out when you're looking at it at 416 and 55, they all are on even terms. This one has talent, wants to keep running. It was just a poorly timed ride and they'll get him next time. Might be a good horse for your barn, Truffle King. Let's go into our last race, race number seven, the grade one E.P. Taylor. One and one quarter miles on the turf course. What'd you end up with in here, Drew? Uh, yeah, I ended up, and sorry, you just got me going on trip notes. I'm even learning and putting stuff into my uh, DRF formulator where it'll just, next time that horse shows up, pop up right in my PPs. So for the E.P. Taylor, the grade one, I ended up with... Theodora B. Even though I had a trip note from the last running at Woodbine said another marathon easy lead and had to do minimal work fade next out. Um, blue fractions on Dime Form US in the early parts of the race. And I just didn't see how anything can change 
especially running a good one over the good surface at Laurel. And the surface was going to be good at Woodbine and then ran the same as type of surface at Kentucky Downs, the mile and a five sixteenths. You can argue goes a little longer than that due to the undulations, but some argue that Woodbine has some undulations as well. I think there is a bit of an uphill climb in the back. Don't quote me on that, but in the back of the EP Taylor turf course where they ran over uh, during this race, in the, just in the early stages. So I ended up on Theodore B because pace dynamics, I just felt like no one else was going to put pressure because ride for the causes move is a closing effort. Uh, Etole would sit off of uh, Theodore B and court return is screaming home as a closer. And I kind of dismissed those two court return and ride for the cause because the only two horses that were running late in the, that last race with Cambier Park in the Canadian was court return and ride for the cause who ride for the cause was fading hard. And not only just three back once court return up for a maiden 40,000. Uh, so to have this one come to the Canadian grade two, and then in this grade one, you know, how cool for the connections to see the turn, uh, turn this horse turn the corner in terms of performance for them uh, based on the Canadian performance. We'll see how the court return does in the EP Taylor, but I was on Theodore B due to pace dynamics, nothing that exciting from a handicapping approach. Hopefully you have something more exciting for us to dive into. Before I give out mine, just a quick question, because I'm curious. When you do that trip note in Theodore B, blue fractions, fade next time, and then you end up in a, in a race, and we've had some races like that over the past few weeks, Mr. Freeze winning the, uh, the Fayette and Tacitus, you know, having that such a weak race over there in New York. And you look at the race, and you're like, oh, it just seems like she's going to get another perfect setup. But I said fade last time. And now you kind of are stuck with that two different, you know, mindsets. My first mindset will always be like, whatever my note was the day of the race, win or lose, is probably going to be the correct call in this spot because now I'm just looking to find a, a reason to play the horse, not so much focus on my last note, which was really easy pace, fade next time out. What, what are your kind of thoughts into that? Do you... Is it more of just, you know, give and take, like it depends on the, what race it is? Because I feel like that's a pretty strong note to have, and then you're kind of just stuck picking the horse anyway. It kind of is like uh, a crappy situation at that point. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's recap here, because I, I said I love the pick four because there was some vulnerable favorites, so we hit a 47 to 1. We love say the word, so got skinny there. And then we came back and hit, uh, we went skinny again, 6 and the 8 with Dursky and um, the other hiatus and we did Dursky at like nine to two. Mm -hmm. So we're live to a lot of money and we singled to Theodore B. We love this horse. And it, you, you raise a great question that I've been wrestling with all week is it right. Why single a horse that you have a negative trip on? And it, to me, it comes down to the Kentucky downs race proved me wrong. Right. Okay. I said an easy lead and didn't have to do work came back and got another lead in Kentucky Downs and fended off Mississippi, which I have respect for. I may now not have as much respect for <laughs> after seeing Theodore B. But I think uh, the, the the fact that the horse came back and had a, we had one more data point to prove, okay, may, maybe time form was being a little too harsh on this one because these races are so long. You Right. And Craig Mikowski is probably going to call me out on this, but, there's there's a small data sample size for how many races are going to be run at the distance of a mile and a quarter mm -hmm. over the woodbine surface on that given day. 
And so your variability in your fractions may go all over the place and how they're being coded may go all over the place too. So I think the, the thing I'm learning right now as we talk about this, Spencer, is maybe in these longer events where there's smaller sample sizes, you can be willing to go a little different in terms of your view of the coding for your fractions, right? Another easy lead. I came off away from that saying like, oh, the horse went 50, almost 52 to the half. That's like, oh my gosh, come on. That's not even running. But really came back and proved it with the Kentucky Downs effort. So that's my strong conviction. And I think today, if I had to do it again, I'd still be putting my money uh, through Theodore B. It was interesting too in this race, three horses went off at five. The two, I'll kind of just give a quick synopsis of both. Uh, the Chad Brown, Itoli, two A nines back to back, also was on blue fractions last time out, just missing against Theodore B as the favorite. When a horse is favorited both times, and I, listen, I'm a broken record. There were episode sixty one of this. If a horse coming over from Europe does not win first or second time out, I try and fade these horses so so hard. And Chad getting the will be extra money with it being a turf race. I wanted nothing to do with the three here. I just. Unless they win, you know, first or second time out, I get really, really uh, sketchy with them, and I just don't want to play these horses, especially at a short price. It was a surprise, at least for me, I thought, to see a horse like Ride for the Cause actually be the favorite, even though all three were at 5-2. to two. This one had the most money. Just perfect setup last time out in the Canadian. One by four. Uh, court return was also in this race, Cambier Park. Uh, I had bet Cambier Park at that race in Keeneland where she didn't perform that well. So I didn't really yeah. want to bet this horse back either. That left me on number six, secret message, uh, Graham Motion. Some horses just don't like Kentucky Downs. Some horses probably definitely don't like Kentucky Downs when it's yielding. Cross that race right out. You have a bunch of closing efforts into blue fractions, which is uh, the JK special there, as I like to call it. So yeah. the, the number six <laughs> secret message for me was my top selection. Yeah, and that's a that's a great point on secret message that it, it, as I'm digging into it, right, there's a bit a bit better of a look um, to to secret message than I think I originally gave credit to. But after seeing this race, this reminds me of the Walk in Marrakesh, uh, Anola Gay race mm-hmm. uh, back at Keeneland. I forget the stakes race when they ran ran their short little event in the summer, where. Enola Gay was a maiden who won that stakes race that day. And Walking Marrakesh just ran back at Keeneland again and, and didn't do much. And this is one of those races where, right, regardless of whatever the pace figure is, comes back, whatever the buyer figure comes back, I'm putting an asterisk next to every one of these horses because if, and we'll talk about the result, but the result is so perplexing that I don't know if I can back any of these because i think the eventual winner was gifted the win more than Mm -hmm. anything else and no one decided to run that's that's my view on the race and i think anyone coming out of that a nola gay stakes race as well would love to own the horses jk says as well right anyone would um and and but but again i i just don't feel like i can back anyone out of this race and we haven't even talked about the result of it yet but um it didn't it it didn't feel like to your point right Atole has yet to win a race at such short prices. If Atole gets the job done today, I, I, you still got to kind of question who who did he beat on the day. So that's my thought on the race. Um, the number four th- Theodore B. And if this one doesn't win and cruise away to victory, then I've got a lot of soul searching to do. For me, it was number six secret message. 
Drew is single to number four, Theodore B. If it's not for me, I hope Theodore B gets it done for Drew. Let's see who wins the E.P. Taylor right now. Across the track, but for at the back court return, and as they settle, it's going to be in the centre, Theodora B, assuming control, and gets away by a length. Going up fast, Elizabeth Way into second spot, Etoile is third, a length away over on the inside, ride for the cause and secret message going around the outside, and they came away by three and a half to court return, and last is Pretty Point. Racing up on the outside, Elizabeth Way to keep the sights on this leader, Theodora B. Right behind is a length and a half away, Etoile, and two and a half, secret message. Ride for the cause, rides the hedge, and three and a half to court return, and two and a half to pretty point is last. About nine lengths covers the field, and Theodora B out in front. Theodora B leads the field in the E.P. Taylor by a length to Elizabeth Way. One away at twelve. They're all keeping watch on the leader. A length and a half to Secret Message edging into it. Ride for the cause on the inside. About four behind this pilot. And next to last court return. And last of all remains Pretty Point. But Theodora B out in front by over a length. Second Elizabeth Way. Three quarters at twelve on the inside. A length behind them. Secret Message should a ride for the cause. Court return second last. And Pretty Point still yet to tack on. They race down to the final half mile, and Theodora B by a length. The Twiles getting close, has come up on the inside of Elizabeth Way, and then back in fourth placing secret message, right for the cause to the outside. A Twile getting a little anxious to go now, and comes quickly. So Theodora B for the first time being challenged. On the outside at Twile, and they turn up the heat on each other by three lengths. Running home is ride for the cause down the center, and on the outside at Twile, showing acceleration to try and go by Theodora B. They're three in front. Then secret message and ride for the cause. Etoile has gone clear. Court return and Daisuke Fukumoto are flying home down the outside from nowhere. But out in front is Etoile. Etoile from secret message and court return down the outside. Etoile in front. Court return out in the gods. Etoile on the inside and court return. But Etoile from court return. Secret message. Ride for the cause. Theodora B. Back second last pretty pointed last Elizabeth Way. And number three, Itoli gets it done paying $7.92 buyer. I just, I guess finally, like this is a race where I'm still going to knock the North America missing twice. This horse obviously went off at another short price, a little bit better than the last two times. But I'm still going to try and fade these peop- these uh, horses in the future. I think I'm being too cynical. Right? We watched the replay again. It was live to a nice score. Um, so it's taken me all of three days to actually go back and view it. Um, Theodore B, I'm going to give an excuse for. Like, what the heck? There was nothing that went, everything went right yet still couldn't get the job done. I don't think the fractions that this one cut out were too fast. And even at the end, just like the jockey, you could tell was conserving the horse for the next battle. They were packing it in. Could Theodore B finish third? Probably. Um, to make the, up those three lengths, but I'm going to give that one an excuse. Now, we talk about pace flow. Atole just sat right off of Theodore B, made the, the move around the turn to go wide and close on home, and it was a perfectly timed ride. And I think Secret Message and Ride for the Cause just didn't get any pace to close into. So those are two really interesting horses. But then you see Court Return come out of nowhere, out of the clouds, mm-hmm. to do it as well. And so how do you count that one into this mix here? It's a head scratcher for me. Spencer, if you had to take one out and bet bet it for the next race, who are you going with? 
and, and this is where it's it's interesting that it, this keeps popping up now with us being close to Breeders' Cup, and I'm I'm gonna hopefully do a little piece for Pete. I haven't talked to him about it yet, but what we call you know the fake grade one, the fake grade two. I mean, if you look at some horses in here. The, the number one ride for the cause being one of the favorites was just a grade two winner still having not gotten a grade one yet. So I thought maybe, you know, from a class edge, that horse may not have been ready. Atole finally getting it done here. Obviously it hit the board in a grade two. Now was a grade one winner here in North America. Theodore B is just kind of horse grade two winner, two back, you know, ran third in the Maple Leaf last year. It's just trying to find a horse that I think can handle Maybe not just a class drop, but I, I think a horse like uh, Atole going forward is going to be one that I'm going to fade. And one that I think is going to be interesting going forward, I just I love the way Court Return finished this race off. If you look in the, throughout the whole race, only two horses ran in the 90s. Atole, Court Return, just flying out of the clouds at 41-1. to 1. Obviously, those odds will be cut in half next time out. I think this one with, and for, you know, coming out of the clouds at 26-2, flat, I think this horse, if it can kind of finally get a setup, is going to be very, very dangerous in a grand stake down the road. Yeah. I mean, you're a class guy. What do you think about the maiden, the maiden claimer events just three, four back ago now? And if you see this one in the big stage, does it give you pause? I think for me, when it comes down to it, just a horse like this obviously wins the listed stake. So you can kind of just toss the maiden ranks at that point. This horse is a listed stake winner. And they thought the horse was good enough in the Canadian and ran second out a bit with the setup. Now it doesn't get a setup here and still improves the buyer. I think this horse is in razor, razor sharp form right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard to argue against. And right. We could, we could say the same type of things about maximum security being a, a, a and the lower rate rungs and look at, look at what victory can come out of that. So maybe there's a lesson to be learned that there is value in the tarnish of the class and company you've kept um, if, if you're running the numbers that you're running in, I think this is going to be a fun one to watch, watch court return come out of this. For you all, ask the same kind of question, Theodore B. You're thinking that this horse is going to be bettable next time out. Was there another horse or a horse that you're definitely against next time out? It's rare that you'll see no pace pressure like you saw today. So that was a great heads up ride by Hernandez to not let this one get away too far. And to make the move and press the issue early on and not wait until say like the top of the stretch fully. I here's a here's an interesting one. What the heck happened to Elizabeth Way? I know Elizabeth Way was <laughs> 10 to 1, but it was a, such a non-finish effort. The four-year-old out of Frankel has some has some life left in him in terms of the career. You'd think this one can make at least another debut. This form might be muddied enough where that was just such a weird race altogether, right? We're talking about court return coming out of the clouds and two horses that we, I thought were pretty good ride for the cause in terms of closing and secret message, not being able to get the job done. And then Elizabeth way coming here and just, it, this race has this weird asterisk feel next to it. The mm -hmm. more we're talking about it, the more I'm saying like, man, I better not bet a favorite that comes out of this. Cause I'm going to be really nervous on the day when this one comes back. So I think Elizabeth way has a little bit of an interesting look, but overall I'm skeptical of a lot of the rest. I think she's going to have to get back to those early 2020 races, the orchid and the very one, those high 80 buyers. I kind of feel like now she's definitely, you know, out of, out of form and just maybe a little freshening. will be able to get her back in the winner's circle. That is all the time we have for today. Drew, thank you so much for coming on being uh 
being the safety net with doing a Woodbine pod, I've kind of gone through every single person over there for Woodbine. So being able to get you on again, uh, super fun. The last time I had you on, I think we were in the single digits for the pod, your pod number 61 now. Uh, tell people where they can find you on social media and where they can find your excellent, excellent write-ups for Woodbine. Yeah, I post my Woodbine late pick four, pick three uh, sequences. Uh, on Sunday, it was, I think, like the pick seven, more or less. I mm-hmm. did the last seven races. We post that on the In The Money blog. Um, that's In The Money Players or In The Money Podcast.com, and you can just go over to blog. Also, uh, my Twitter handle, Drew Coatney. Um, I do try and post those out early in the mornings of the day of the races as well. You can find me there. Feel free to interact. Happy to answer questions and help handicappers sharpen their skills, especially as we're learning about this. I mean, the journey always uh, never ends. we got to keep keep learning to stay ahead of the curve, right? I can't agree with you more there. Looking forward. Hopefully, Saratoga, there will be fans next year. Looking forward to uh, sharing a brewski with you over there in the, uh, de- de- uh, the Degenerates Lounge up there above the Shake Shack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I uh, can't wait to, to get that plane ticket booked and uh, drink a cocktail club uh, seltzer over there over some ice with the guys. A special shout-out again to Drew Coating for being my special guest. And you, the listeners, uh, quickly again, having David Aragona on for Belmont next week as well as John Piasek for the Laurel card. Uh, reach out to me. Races you guys want to see us talk about for either of those cards and just certain angles you want to hear talked about. And also, just going ahead, I want to get more fan interaction. I want to get talking to you guys on Twitter, just so you guys, as much as myself, can have you know input into what happens in the podcast. Love talking every day about horse racing. And thank you again for watching, making this podcast super fun to do every single week. This show is been a production for In The Money Media. In The Money Media's president is Pierre Thomas Fornatel. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. And our In The Money Media business manager is... Drew Coatney, I'm Spencer Luganbuehl. We will see you again next time.